But you don't know me. Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to You Don't Know Me, a podcast about people you don't know. I'm your host, Veeps. I'm your co-host, Tink. And today we have a brand new guest on the show. We have Patrick. hi oh. <laughs> now, Patrick is a special case. He's actually using his real name today. So tell us a little bit about, you know, why you chose to do that. Okay, so the topic I talk about is pretty controversial. I think the best way to inoculate yourself against bad ideas is to state your ideas loudly and get the critique immediately. So by using <laughs> my fair. real so name... people yeah. can fight back, right? Yep. But when we talked previously... Um, I wasn't advertising or selling anything. So now it's a little bit different in that we host events. And so now you can use my name to find whatever we're doing as well. So, okay, cool. Yeah. So just for context, tell us a little bit about the projects you've got going on right now. Okay, so this week we uh, hosted a food and friends meetup where people go to a restaurant and get to know each other. It was about 24 people strong. It was at a Hawaiian barbecue restaurant. We also hosted an event where we went to Iron Age we had about 16 people there as well. Uh, if you get 40 there, they let you do karaoke. So we're trying to make it a monthly karaoke thing. That'd be a lot of <laughs> That's fun. That's cool. Yep. Uh, I'm teaching a boot camp to some of my friends on how to get over approach anxiety, which is sinus when you're talking to women. So uh, we had our so appro- approach anxiety specifically to talk to women, right? Uh, I I I could say that, but I made sure to make the class gender neutral, and we brought girls with us when we went to the bar. And I actually ended up spending more time coaching the girls and the guys which was interesting inside itself. That and is we'll, interesting because yeah. I think we, we've talked before about kind of what you do in, in mm-hmm. your coaching. And I was like, man, like women could really benefit from this because I feel like I think imposter syndrome is really common or yeah. at least a lot of the women I know that are very smart, like mm-hmm. have trouble with that. Right. So it, we'll talk. We'll come back to that. Um, yeah, but I'm I, really interested to kind of delve <laughs> into what that event looks like for you. So continue. What are some of the other yeah. things? Uh, and Saturday, uh, tomorrow, we're holding a lesbian speed dating event at Battle and Brew. So if you're interested, you can go to Battle and Brew's website or PerfectZ.com or 1v1meirl.com. There's my shameless plug of the day. <laughs> to, uh, so that's join PerfectZ.com yeah. and then one, what was the other one? one? 1v1meirl. One V one me. That is a speed dating company that I co-organized with another person. So. That sounds like a mouthful of like the the one V. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's because it's gamer culture. Um, um, oh yeah, because it's like yeah, nerd. Fo- got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all these links are on my website as well. The splash page is just links to all these meetup groups and everything. And other than that, I just took over a singles in Atlanta meetup group that has 4,500 members. Wow. And so, You're going to yeah. have your hands full there. So I integrated that with the uh, coaching yesterday, and I used that to get all all the people that went with me some discounts and stuff like that. That's but some we'll good talk business about strategy. That as well. Yeah. Vertical integration is very important when you have a side hustle or. You'll yeah. end up spending too much time with unconnected projects. Oh, and just to clarify, he does actually have a nine to five in oh, addition yes. to all of this. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm also a technical architect. I specialize in Java and uh, user experience. Cool. So. Cool. I learned about Java this week. <laughs> it's horrible, isn't it? I like it. Of course, I get confused with all like all the words, and I'm like, oh gosh. Yeah. But I for think context, cool. she's a brand new IT recruiter. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I'm totally yeah. digging it. Yeah, to be a technical architect, you're supposed to have 20 years of experience in whatever your field. There's recruiters, I'm sure you've heard that before oh, yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I got that job when I was 24. 
So the amount of grinding I did as a child was very high. I got the job as a Java technical architect before I had ever touched Java before. Oh, wow. So the past, I've worked at... What's your like main language that you work with? Um, I was a PHP programmer. Interesting. But I had started my own IT consulting company at a younger age, so I could actually afford to buy a wedding ring for my old fiancé. So I started a side oh. business, and it just blew up. So I ended up meeting one of the VPs at, a- at AT&T when I consulted for a Magic the Gathering store. Yeah. <laughs> And it was a very interesting interaction. Like, uh, he was working on a search engine for magic cards, and I was the geek in the corner programming. I looked at it, and I was like, that's not a good programming use- language to use. He was using uh, Flex, which is an Adobe platform. Mm-hmm. It's used a lot in Macromedia Flash. Mm-hmm. I looked at it, and I was like, that's not going to be compatible in enough browsers. You should use, at the time, what was called Moo Tools, which was a Java script implementation that mm-hmm. preceded Ajax. Yeah. And he was like, it's impossible to do what I'm doing. In that, and so without even knowing the guy, the next day I just did it because I'm an arrogant bastard, right? So I gotta outclass him and did, like so, you told me, yeah, you couldn't I, do it. yeah. And he was like, "You're that good at programming?" And I was like, "Yeah." And uh, he asked the person who owns the store because I used to show up three days a week to consult in person. Mm-hmm. He was like, "What does Patrick do for you?" He goes, "I don't know." He kind of tells me what he does, and then I make money. So that's how he got his job. So that ended up landing me at AT and T, where I've been for the past. Eight or nine years now. Interesting. That is so badass. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So I had an interesting scenario in that I knew all the hiring managers because they were all my friends because I met them at the magic store and I went and got drinks with them before I worked. So you did your own. You did the recruiting yourself. Yeah, yeah. I've never applied for a job in my life, and I've also been employed since I was fourteen. You can't see it, but I did just roll my eyes. Some people have all the luck. Not luck. It's networking. Oh, no, yeah, it's, um, right. it's not luck. He has a very, very, very valuable skill set. I know. But we'll also talk about how you can use networking to get jobs as well. Because uh, I agree with that. Yeah. At the meetup that failed, I, I kind of told a story. So I just jump right into that story? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So I host a lot of meetups. And me and my co-organizer, we got cocky because we just hit about 400 members. That's 100 members a month. And we're starting to get higher penetration rates than the other groups. So a lot of groups will have 5,000 members and have 20 show up to an event. Mm-hmm. We have created a core audience that have like five or 10 that show up to every event. And then we'll usually get double in new people. So at our event, the week before or Saturday, we had about 24. I posted a popular event spot and we thought we'd get a large amount. And then in three days, we got 30 people RSVP. Mm-hmm. which is the fastest we've ever filled up in the yeah. event, right? And so I was excited. I closed reservations on that group, but we run two other groups, right? Mm-hmm. So I run a nerd group that we did based on the speed dating stuff. They got 10 reservations. And then I put it on Facebook, and I got 20 Facebook friends that were independent of my two meetup groups to go. And then it ended up that only 16 people showed up. I made a reservation for 30, and I had to like negotiate with the venue. And it's a bummer because... I like to make a splash. I like to really under-deliver and then over... Well, sorry, under-promise under, yeah, yeah, and yeah, over-deliver under. because they can't ignore that you're valuable when you say you're going to bring 20 people and then 40 people show up. Mm-hmm. That gets the manager to come out and complain. And you're like, are you complaining because I brought you business? Well, how about this? Next week, I'll bring 40, but you give me free dinner and et cetera, et cetera, and I'll make this a reoccurring thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I get people's attentions that way. Under under delivering is not the way you want to get people's attention, right? You don't want to contact a venue and say, like, I got 30 people. And they're like, oh, 30 people. And you're like, check it. I run all the meetup events in Atlanta. I'll bring you 30 people. And then it's wah, wah, you know, (laughs) 16 people there. Shit happens. Yeah. But what's interesting is that those people at those events don't know what your goals are and uh, what constitutes a good event. Like, uh, 
I have too high expectations and I'll be sad and fail often, but I find that I fail above mediocrity, right? Yeah. So in this event, it was one of the best events anyone had been to that came. A lot of people met new friends. We so had even a, at a failure by your standards, I mean, you still had a quality event. Yeah, and yeah. I just kept my game face on, made sure to be a good host. And then I found out one of the people there owns a uh, Korean barbecue place. And they're talking about how they wish they could go out and promote their place as well as we do for places. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, maybe you should talk to me and exchange contact information. I'll probably be doing a promotion deal with them later. So even though we lost and even though I was depressed and even was worse, like people walked out on their checks. So it cost me about $120 uh, for the event. But if I have a disclaimer, client... Disclaimer, yeah. don't fucking do that. Yeah, ever. it happens. And yeah. But that's so shitty. <laughs> Yeah, so I spent some time as a bouncer to help me with uh, pickup training. It helps here, too, because you need to understand what people are capable of. You prepare for the worst, expect expect the best. Like, mm. that's that's how I, I deal with it more often than not. But, uh, like, if I'm making $200 a month off that guy that went to that event and get free food at his restaurant, and I pay a little up front, why, why do I care? Right. Yeah. I have my metrics for success pretty high. I've decided what my bleed rate for cost for each event is. I save that money in advance. And then we do tertiary things to uh, make us less risk averse. Like uh, we used to do a dollar pre-registration. more risk averse. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's just, there's very little risk because usually we have a dollar pre-registration fee for our events. Mm -hmm. And so that person walked out of the check first time in four months, right? Mm -hmm. So we've had 10 events a month, usually 12 to 20 people for four months. So that's 400 people, I'm guessing, uh, plus the fees of the transaction company. That means we've made $300 off the $1 sign up. Mm -hmm. So that covered me for this, right? Mm -hmm. And I've, you're starting a business and everyone wants to make their money up front, but you really shouldn't make money in a business for the first year or two. So the fact that I'm not losing money and that I'm able to basically employ my co-organizer is pretty impressive in four months. Yeah, that is very yeah. impressive. The question I'll constantly get is, how do you make money off this? And I'm like, we make money for being us. <laughs> hey, People yeah. just pay us to be awesome. Yeah. Well, it's important to have friends and it's important to learn that skill. And A lot of times you'll realize that there are things people don't know how to handle that they would pay not to. Example. Uh, so... Me and my co-organizer, we had the boot camp, and this was a free one. We're not going to do this often. Boot camp, boot camp for how to learn how to talk to people. Okay, so, I took, so this ties you back to the... the yeah, pick up. I, I used the phrase charisma. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's vertical integration. So basically my mission statement is to learn how to quit your 9 to 5 by running social events and using those skills to expand your, your market. So in this case, to be more specific, I'm using meetup.com for this year. Mm -hmm. So everything I'm talking about integrates with creating meetup events as mm -hmm. your platform and uh, some type of social marketing stuff, but it's mainly for meetup. Yeah. Um, so, oh my God, I forgot where I started that. What was the question that lost me on the tower? Uh, you're giving us an example about how people don't want to deal with things oh. and will pay other people to okay. deal with them. Okay, so I invited a bunch of girls to go with us to the club. Because for two reasons, I know girls are too shy to ask for help, specifically beautiful women with talking to men. They're not going to ask, right? Yeah. But they want it. So what they tend to do is they tend to say they'll help other guys and then they go and they like watch us and yeah. figure out how, how we're doing it. So I invited 10 of those girls and I brought two guys, right? Mm -hmm. This is integration with the meetup group. I use food and friends to recruit people to go to the club and I use the speed dating events to recruit guys who'll need lessons, right? Mm -hmm. They'll pay for the advanced lessons because it didn't go well at speed dating. Mm -hmm. And since I deliver, they'll tell their friends and they 
it goes on and on. Yeah. Um, so I brought the 10 girls and I made them all wear red dresses because this was the first uh, co-organized group with the group I had that had 4,500 people. Why red? Right? Why red? Because it stands out, right? It's, it's loud. It's very loud. And I told them it was a formal bar when it wasn't. Oh. So they got like decked out in like prom dress type deals, right? Aww. And my guys wore suits. We get to the, there's so many of us. There's like 14 of us and 10 beautiful women in dresses. You can get away with anything. Yeah, <laughs> right? good point. And I'm kind of competing with the other co-organizers of this group that's 4,500 people. And it's yeah. a joint group where other bigger organizers are that have like 10,000 or 20,000 people groups. I wanted them to see that I brought 10 girls in a red dress, that you can identify the people specifically with me. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. then also that like they're high quality people. Kind of right. branding them. Exactly. Also, like, the organizers fight over stuff. And they'll be like, I want to be the promoter for this event and this event. The promoter for this event was like, no, no. There was a competition over who would get this bar and get, like, the money from it. I was like, well, I'll bring 10 girls because I know that it's not going to work unless a certain number of girls go. And he's like, oh, I can bring girls, right? So we go, and our lead organizer's there. And he's like, yeah, I really brought this event together. And I was like, yeah, there's a lot of pretty girls in red dresses. And my friend who's organizing, like the lead organizer goes, yeah, this is Patrick's event now because he brought the people. Right. So like that strong sewing helps also for the guys. So wait, so did the other people bring a lot of people, but they didn't have something like the red dress or there's no way to prove that their marketing campaign is what grabbed them because it's three different organizers all coming to one place. That's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. Also, this is important for the guys. Uh, when you're getting rejected, since basically what they had to do was talk to 20 people tonight, at least, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they talked to way more than 20. And a lot of them told them to fuck off, all those mean things, right? Oh. And uh, But you kind of have to get through that initial oh, yes. like, worst possible yeah. scenario. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, well, it wasn't really that bad. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And once you do that, you're kind of like, eh, well, fuck it. Like, what's the worst thing they could do is tell me that thing that somebody already said to me? Like, Yeah, no, no, I agree. Yeah. It, in cognitive behavioral therapy, one thing that's interesting is when people have panic attacks, they tell you you're not supposed to help them. They're yeah, supposed to experience true. it at their worst mm-hmm. and understand that they're not drowning, that they've survived and then move yeah. forward. So it's the same thing with that. Like I had someone run away from a girl. Like another girl <laughs> wa- grabbed his hand and tried to walk him to a girl and he ran. He was like, I have to go to the bathroom. He comes back. He's shaking, visibly scared. He's already approached Aww. 10 people and it's gone really well. So this yeah. is weird. And he's like making excuses. He's like, I'm not nervous. I'm thirsty. I haven't eaten. And I was like, look. I've gone to a club and I've cried in front of people because of how bad I've gotten rejected and all that. And I was Aww. like, you, you have to go through that, though. And you can't shield yourself from it. You can't lie and say it's because you're hungry and tired. Yeah. And no one's going to judge you for it. Like, everyone here is here to help you. And the girls in red dresses have more sympathy for you then. So, like, it's all win. Plus, immediately afterwards, he's getting cheered up by all the girls, right? Mm-hmm. So him and another friend, the other student, is in that group of 10 girls with two guys. You know, the guys are wearing black with sharp red ties, so you can tell they're connected to all the girls. And they look like they run the place mm-hmm. because it's 10 girls and two guys and everyone laughing and all that. And I was like, no one knows you got rejected. No one knows that you ran away. All they see from the side is a girl tried to grab you, and then you ran away, and then ran into a group of 10 girls. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So it helps a lot with what a concept they call social proof in pre-selection. So this is a charisma concept. And OK, a, so explain social proof. And yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to okay, cool. it. So uh, there's different schools to pick up. Uh, one popular one is called Indirect. It's popularized by the game, a mystery. Neil yeah, Strauss. That, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, the concept of social proof is that whenever you're in an area, you want other people to show that you have value. So if I'm walking to a club alone, 
then I have to open you and then prove to you that I'm cool, right? This is peacocking, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, n- not not exactly. We'll no. g- we'll go into that. I feel like too. that was just more like attention, like standing out, like yeah, kind of like yeah. the red dresses, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, red yeah. dresses yeah. is the definition okay. of peacocking. I was mm-hmm. peacocking hard yeah. that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, <laughs> but, all right then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, social proof is when, like, if you're an event organizer, you have social proof because you're a leader. So people already have a reason to think you're a high-value person, right? Yeah, okay. And then uh, pre-selection is the reason why people with wedding rings will get girls. It's because when you're in a pinch in the wild, if you see something that you want to eat and you don't know if it's poisonous enough and you see me walk over and eat it, you're more likely to try to eat it too, right? Because mm. I've done the work. I've taken the risk. Mm-hmm. And so I've pre-selected that food. You don't have to go through the selection process. You can take my selection as your selection, right? That's lazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's efficient. It's a heuristic. It's it's a way. I think I'm looking at it as the wedding ring, not yeah. the animals. You. Oh, but yeah, I, I think yeah. the, the the same mechanism in your brain that would make you want that is because it's safe, right? Like mm-hmm. it's Correct. Yeah. This is like, I want it because I can't have it kind of thing. No, no, that's a different thing. And okay. we'll talk about that too. God, I keep but getting what, these definitions wrong. Well, there's so many things at play, right? It's human psychology. Yeah. Uh, there's certain things I don't agree with, and so I try to avoid those things. Gotcha. The wedding ring is something we'd call dread game that I'm super opposed to. There's a lot of other ideas in pickup. I'll talk about dread game later. Okay. I, I'm going my hardest to make this as ethical as possible. So, like, my girlfriend uh, edits all the articles I post now, <laughs> and then we have, like, another friend also... <laughs> edits that as well and so I have actually have women doing all the editing and I chose one of my female friends to be an assistant coach and then we'll discuss things and then we'll also talk about how we can make it gender unspecific Mm -hmm. right Uh, it's really hard it's really interesting that and and I do respect the fact that you're trying to make something that really gained traction because of its very like non-inclusive nature Mm -hmm. um and you're you're trying you're turning it on its head and trying to make it inclusive or at least that's kind of like naturally happening by the people that you surround yourself with yeah i'm actually luckier than that it's free market like uh, we did speed dating events and the women need help just as much as guys yeah there's this boomerang effect that happens in my events uh you want girls because that brings more guys then you get the guys and then you need to get well, you get the girls, then you need higher quality guys so that more girls come because mm-hmm. if you just get any guys, they're going to be annoying or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then you get the high quality guys. That's why I'm training these people for free. They're like organizers and stuff for it my Sounds events. like a weird way to describe human beings. but yeah. Well, it's high value. Everything yeah. has merit. And so there are higher merit people than others, right? Mm. It's, it's, it's a rough statement to say, but it's the truth. People should have value. Yeah, that's value. like a kind of yeah. statement, but mm. yeah, okay. It's true. Mm. It's, I'm not saying anyone does not have value. Yeah. But I'm saying Just in that context, yeah, there are yeah. going to be people who are going to work better in mm-hmm. that environment. Yeah. There are people okay. are higher value. A rapist is lower value than a non-rapist. <laughs> I will agree with that. Okay, yeah. all and right, that's, I that's see kind where you're of, going yeah, with that. Yeah. Okay. So if I had an event that I was like, here's ten guys, and ten of them are rapists, and one of them is not, that event has all low value guys <laughs> for the most part, right? Yes. So I want all Bill Gates. I want all Will Smiths. I want all people who are both kind. Mm-hmm. welcoming and engaging, mm-hmm. right? Most guys are shy, most girls are shy, so I'm leveling them each up, mm-hmm. each side. So like I have the core girls that are going out with me and I'm teaching them how to help guys in that they understand the things they can do to improve themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Then I take the guys and they learn to talk to girls and then they recruit more girls for the events, right? Mm-hmm. And it keeps going up and up. So like that's part of the the plan there and that's why I have to do this training because 
I wasn't impressed with the guys or the girls at the speed dating event. So I made a 10 minute video on what not to do in a speed dating event. And the biggest one that I saw the most and the one I stressed the most is not to talk about your ex. Oh. And <laughs> for those anime fans out there, I don't know if you know the song Naruto Sadness and Sorrow or any sad violin song. Mm. It was like cue the theme song music, cut the lights. And then she left me and I haven't dated for three years. Or then he left me and I haven't dated three years. That's what they opened with. Oh, no. Right? Who wants that? I mean, it's good. It, it can be a good piece of like bonding, you know, mm-hmm. vulnerability of like saying like, oh, I've experienced this, you know, whatever later on, yeah. you know. I would argue that it's not them being vulnerable for a very specific reason. They're doing it for pity, both sides. Oh. They're, they're not letting themselves, their true self sign. They're saying I'm hurt, like, like me because I'm hurt. Oh, a lot of instead the guys of like me because I'm a good person. Or correct. It's it's very value. easy to be vulnerable and talk about an ex relationship without it being a five minute conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So like the way I talk about an ex is like, oh, I dated this girl for four years and it didn't work out, and it went, but I had so much fun in those four years. I'm so excited to get back in dating. How about you? Did you have a good mm-hmm. experience in the past? Yeah. You can talk about something negative, give them that information and still have a positive spin, get elicit a positive emotion from another person. Mm-hmm. But they're more like, yeah, that's why, it's like they're making excuses for themselves. Mm-hmm. And excuses right are the opposite of vulnerability. Excuses yeah. are the, op- I'm gonna say that one more time, excuses are the opposite of vulnerability. Because when you're doing that, you're giving a reason why you don't have to, it's not, like it's not who you really are, it's just a temporary thing. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of what I call radical responsibility. And that's not radically responsible to say that there's an outside force or there's an outside event that is the reason why you don't talk well or you don't communicate efficiently. Mm-hmm. So that, that always bothers me. Uh, it's kind of funny how grumpy I've become because of speed dating because people will say things to me, the girls and the guys. And it was funny because I said this in front of another friend for the fourth time. The first time I said it, she got really mad at me because she saw me say it to like a side guy and she's like, wow, you're, you're way too rough with guys, right? Second time, she's like, I don't think you should leave that. That's very strong. The third time, she's like, all right. The fourth time, she's like, they need to know. They need to know <laughs> and you just need to tell it up front. Uh, I was talking to a guy and he said the reason he doesn't go to clubs or bars or because he doesn't host events or that he has hobbies is because he doesn't have enough time. And then I asked him how much he slept. And then he said about eight hours a day. And I stared at him and grabbed him by the shoulder and said, sleep faster. And he was like, excuse me? I was like, you can survive off six hours of sleep. That's another 14 hours a week. That's at least one trip to the club. And like, that's crazy. And I was like, when you want something, you have to work for it. And when you see a guy like me, I've I've worked for it. You can't deny that, right? And like, uh, yeah, but you also have to take care of yourself. There is a balance. Agreed. I think balance is, is required because you will burn out. Yeah, but and that if, is dangerous. If you have emotional fatigue because of loneliness, okay, that's then fair. you're gonna burn out <laughs> too. You're gonna burn out from that too. Yeah. 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 So I need eight hours. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I like. I'm not fully functional. I'm not like firing on all pistons. Oh, I, I I can understand that, yeah. but something has to be cut. Yeah. If you cannot go to lunch at work and get an hour out of that, don't go to lunch at work. That's yeah. true. Then again, right. I don't want to go to clubs, so yeah. I get where you're coming from. Well, if you had a problem, like if you didn't have any any friends and you needed to make friends, you had to come up with a strategy for yeah, how to make friends. Yeah, it's solving a problem, yeah. a very yeah. specific problem. Yeah. I don't want And friends. I'm going to say this up front. I say this. Zeke <laughs> <laughs> does not I, like people. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ironic that she's a podcast host. And I'm a recruiter. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I say this. Why so- you don't like you don't do anything social? She's so burned out from just like having to do people all week. Mm-hmm. I'm an INFJ slash T. <laughs> Remind me what one of the Myers-Briggs that is. Oh, we took something else the other day, but I am an introvert who's highly intuitive, Mm -hmm. and I feel, but I'm also very judgy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an ENFP, so. Yeah. I actually think those are really good. Uh, I actually recommend people have a hobby like that that teaches them. I know it sounds horrible, but that's a form of stereotyping. Yeah. But if you do cold reading, that works really well. So if you're trying to learn how to communicate with people and be insightful to them, understanding the Myers-Briggs is probably the least offensive way you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Astrology is the hokiest way. Like just looking at someone's appearance is the worst worst way. The Myers-Briggs is the least offensive way to do that. I love me some astrology too, though. (laughs) (laughs) I gave a judging look. I gave a judging look. The silence right there was us judging you. you for not liking it correct that's you that's a great attitude to have yourself. yeah you're right, no, you're right. <laughs> i like how you judge me at the end though that's nice <laughs> i don't judge you you should be ashamed of yourself <laughs> that was nice that was nice well done mm. all right so before we i mean we've kind of gone off on the tangent here but uh, it's still it's all really there's so much information here it, yeah. it seems like a lot to unpack with just kind of pick up overall mm-hmm. and i mean i think pickup is almost a misnomer yeah in a lot of ways and you, what you've called it is confidence coaching yeah. right? charisma coaching charisma coaching yeah. charisma is the able the ability to influence and lead others okay cool mm-hmm. and i think that's a good way to put it um so let's kind of go back to the beginning mm-hmm. with this because i'm really interested to hear how that started for you so what was kind of where was that born from so what's my personal story for why I got involved yeah, in the community? Like what? Like we're so yeah, because there's obviously doesn't you don't just wake up one day and go I want to be a charisma coach, the <laughs> right? Why. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll say why I got into pickup, which is the predecessor to me being a charisma coach, yeah. right? So I was in a motorcycle accident. I think I said this before about seven or eight years ago, mm-hmm. and it was really bad. Uh, I got hit in the face with a car. <laughs> That's the best way to what? describe wow. it. So I got t-boned and my helmet broke off before I even made contact with the car, went partly through the person's windshield. Oh. Big deal. Like, was in a wheelchair for a month or two. Had to, like, deal with all that. Couldn't dress myself for the first few weeks. Uh, After the motorcycle accident, everyone thought I was just going to die. Like, uh, it was a really scary event. I called my best friend who met me in the hospital, and I'm talking to the doctor because... When I got in the motorcycle accident, I was bleeding so much, I thought I lost my right eye because my right eye had blood sucked. So, like, blood had come down and sealed my right eye, so I thought I'd lost it, and my head was cut op- like cut on the top, and your face bleeds so much, it feels like your skull is open because mm-hmm. your body knows that's the most important part. It starts to, like, close it up. like the B word. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I was in the state where I thought I was going to die functionally. I'm in the hospital bed, and then... It dawns on me that I have a head injury. I can't move my legs because of how bad they were lacerated because I like I hit the car and jumped off jumped off my motorcycle so I wouldn't get pulled under. Yeah. My bike got run over. I went through the windshield, bounced off and hit pavement and bounced several feet back while the car still dragged forward, right? So it was like terrifying. I had to crawl out of the way type deal. Really over the top. I'm in the hospital. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm at the hospital. And no, no motorcycles, kids. Yeah. Oh, it's it's fine. I think everyone should have. I still want one. Yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> what? I, oh I love God. motorcycles. I think everyone should have a good affirmation of life. <laughs> <laughs> they should see the the ads in their own way. I'm afraid of heights. A motorcycle was good for me. <laughs> uh, was it? <laughs> yeah, because it's it's spun me on this path. 
Okay. Yeah. So I used to be big into martial arts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't like training, but I really like sparring. And I realized it's because when someone's about to punch you in the face, you unconsciously move if you care about things. And then it gets you very in touch with those things you care about. Uh, one of my previous students was a bigger guy than me, but he wasn't much of a fighter. Total nerd, right? Uh, so I started teaching him martial arts. He'd come over to my house every day and would practice sparring and uh, punching drills. Mm-hmm. And one day when we're sparring, he dodges really quick. And I've never seen him dodge like that. And I ask him why. And he's like, I don't know. There was another punch at me, dodge. Hit him in the chest. And he's like, ow. And I was like, why don't you want to be hit? And he's like, I don't know. And then like keep going. And then eventually he's like, because there's so much left to experience. Like, it's not, I haven't experienced anything. And I realized that when you're throwing punches at me and how important it is to me to do that. And I was like, that's what you need to take to the club with you. Like, <laughs> you need to walk up to girls and be like, when they go, why are you talking to me? It's like, because I've missed out on so much in life. Yeah. And oh, that's such a good line. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd be like, <laughs> I'm the one that's like, oh, that is so cute. The first time I used that line, I kind of just said it. And it was like kind of like one of those moments where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say something smooth. And then afterwards, I was like, holy shit, I mean it. You know? <laughs> I said to a girl, I was like, you know, I've been in love before. And I've met people that I thought I could be in love with. And then I went home and I spent the next two to three weeks just wishing something happened. I was like, knowing that pain is more than the pain of not talking to you. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I would rather just talk to you and get it over with than miss out on having you in my life. And then I was like, oh, that's that's good. And it's true. That's getting (laughs) added to the list. That's like too smooth. Mm-hmm. But the motorcycle accident was a similar scenario where it kind of taught me what was important to me. Yeah. In fact, when I was in, this was the scariest part to me. When I was in the uh, stretcher, I was talking to the doctor and I asked them if I had brain damage. Or I said, I think I don't have brain damage, right? Like mm-hmm. That's what I said because they started giving me an MRI. And then he looks at me and then he laughs and goes, if you had brain damage, would you have the wherewithal or the understanding to know you had it? Yeah. <laughs> and would you know what you were thinking before to understand the difference in your intelligence? Yeah. The doctors are rough with you in a motorcycle accident because they want you not to ride a motorcycle. (laughs) So they tell you, like, you're going to die, whether you're going to die or not, to get you off the bike, because that's the majority of fatal fatal Mm -hmm. accidents, right? So uh, this all happens, but I get, I'm recovering from my motorcycle accident. I'm staying at a friend's house, right? Uh, I post on Facebook a picture of me in the hospital covered in blood. I start getting phone calls. I get phone calls mainly from my guy friends, Mm -hmm. and then I get a phone call from a girl. And I think it's my first girlfriend from when I was 14. She's talking to me and she's like cheering me up. And she's like, well, I'm so glad, you know, I'll come over later. And she lives in Boston. So I was like, well, that's that's insane. You know, like talking to me, just really cheering me up and makes me feel better. And then when she leaves, she mentions, she's like, yeah, so I'll see you at X event tomorrow. And then I realized it wasn't the girl I thought it was. It was a girl that I had met recently that like had just started hanging out with our group. And it was depressing because I realized that all these people who said they loved me, didn't reach out to me. Mm-hmm. I had my core of four friends, right, that were my family, that were helping me walk around the house, that were teaching, yeah. literally working out with me every morning. But all these relationships, all these, uh, specifically women in my case, who said they loved me, weren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, was, that was step one. That was like the first aha uh, moment. Then there's another moment where uh, I had a best friend who was living with me who... Uh, she helped me when I was recovering from the motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. And I was super shy after the motorcycle accident because I was scarred. And I was literally told I can't leave the house in the sunlight for six months. Mm. 
because it would scar too badly because my skin was exposed on my my head like mm-hmm. it was cut so badly in my face like my all my right eye the eyelid was horribly scarred it was like brown and then it was all white on my forehead that's really rough for someone who's already not confident right mm-hmm. and i had this girl that was what my best friend she was a lesbian so there's like nothing going on there but i was still attracted to her so when she would tell me i'm beautiful like handsome and beautiful and brag about it it meant a lot to me right yeah. uh, that person kind of we had a falling out yeah, no one's fault. That just happens, right? Yeah. But then it got vicious, and she started picking on me a little bit, right? And since all my confidence stemmed from one person, I had no scaffolding to build my self-esteem. Mm. Um, I invite that first girlfriend from the motorcycle accident. I fly her down to spend time with me. We spend time. We have a really good time. We go on a bunch of dates. It's like we're a couple. And then she says she loves me again, and I'm like, oh, you know, like, ah, you know. Mm -hmm. And then she gets on a plane, leaves, and never comes back. (laughs) Right? Yeah. In that moment, I realized I didn't understand what love was. And I also realized if I had more women in my life, I wouldn't put so much weight on the women and their validation. Mm -hmm. Right? So I had to basically diversify their funds. It's also a lot of pressure to put on one person, too. Of course. If you care about the people that are around you. It's, it, that's almost like too tall of an order. I think that's why we had our falling out. Mm-hmm. There's so much emotional tension there that when any of us had any issue, it was like their whole life yeah. fell apart. So I talk about this with my girlfriend. I go out of my way to make sure she has a strong friend group. Mm-hmm. Because if she's mad at me and I'm the only person she's talking to, it's a forced feedback loop of hate. Yeah. yeah. So she's talking to the person she hates about hating them and then she invites new reasons to hate them because that's all she's getting is that hate 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 i do it too that's why i have to have friends outside the relationship right? yeah, it's important for everybody to have friends yeah, outside the relationship of course and it's also abusive when people don't do that because yes. usually it's something called defooing which is removing friends and family yeah. they're trying to make you emotionally dependent on them so that's harder to break free that's that's another conversation <laughs> yeah. again uh i'm in the car crying as this girl's on an airplane leaving it's surprising how many times I've had the dramatic romantic comedy of crying in a car while someone's flying on a plane. Uh, yeah. And I, character. Yeah, and my friend had gave me a copy of the book, The Game. I read it from beginning to end, and I'm an uber nerd. I'm a technical architect at 24. I'm at the top of my field at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, anything that's pure information that can be systemized, you know, you can joke and be a super autism power, the internet would say, right? Mm-hmm. Not that I have autism, but that's like the joke they make. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I can memorize lines. I can do this and this. I get invited to a party with my Magic the Gathering friends. Mm-hmm. And there, some of their friends' girlfriends are there and like their friends come. So there's like an odd ratio of girls at this Magic event. Mm-hmm. And just because I'm depressed and I'm like, you know, fuck it, I'm gonna meet people. I start talking to people and one of them even says like, oh, you're not gonna get so-and-so's number. And I'm young and I'm, I don't understand yet and so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna prove myself. And I make a big so of using Magic the Gathering deck to like start a pickup conversation. And I end up getting most of the girls their numbers and the guys are super nerdy there. One of them sees them and they're like, I will pay you anything to be able to pick up women by using Magic the Gathering. <laughs> and... <laughs> I've yeah I've learned from talking to recruiters that when someone compliments you about something and you know you can get away with it just agree. So like if someone's like, "Oh yeah, you're a master of understanding database architecture." Like I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." If they're not going to call me on it, cuz that means a better job, right? Yeah. So no, I'm, like, I'm usually like, "Explain how this works." That's what to it me. should yeah. that's what it should be, yeah. 
So he says that to me, and then he's like, "Well, can you? I'll, I'll pay anything. I know boot camps are usually five hundred dollars a weekend, mm-hmm. like five hundred dollars." And I was like, "Okay, this is what we're gonna do. I'm not gonna charge you because you're gonna be the first one I take on, but I need three months." And so I went to the club myself and like learned the skills, and then I took the student, and then I realized that w- when I have a student, when there's someone else I need to help, I'm always better at what I do. Oh yeah, me too. And totally so, understand. Yeah, it was almost like I was a coach before I knew what I was doing, mm-hmm. right? That's actually extremely true. And that's true it for most people. It gives you a people. deadline of like mm-hmm. learning this thing and it's not just you, you know. Mm-hmm. I think when you have that external driving force, it always, you know, mm-hmm. it's it, you can put it off and put it off if it's for yourself. Yeah. And to kind of loop around, that first student is the person in charge of the $5,000, the 5,000 people meetup group. No wow. way. Yeah. yeah. That's a success story. Did he get them yeah. all with his magic cards? <laughs> <laughs> he never used magic cards. He's a funny story in that like uh He's very successful financially before he stepped into it, but he never left his house, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's possible that he's a millionaire. I wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of deal. Yeah. But when we first go out, I'm dressed just horribly. I have Sonic the Hedgehog gloves on. I have a backwards Thundercat hat on. I'm wearing <laughs> dress pants and a dress shirt with this outfit. And then I have goggles over my hat, oh, like ski yeah, goggles so over verticals. my hat. Yeah, it was just not, not looking good. And this guy gets there and he's like, oh, I thought you were rich too because like he knows what my job does. And he's like, why don't you drive a Porsche? That's how you get girls. Why don't you have the newest phone? That's how you get girls, right? And then I, this is how intense, I, I mentioned this a few times with people. The first time I went out when he said that, I realized what was at stake here. Nerds need to get out and they need to get to stay nerds. I don't want them becoming the douchebag jock yeah, guys, no, right? Yeah, yeah. I want them to be a, the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Say what you want about jocks but they spend a lot of time on their body and their clothes. They spend a lot of time perfecting an image, whether it's negative or positive. Yeah, the work is yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, and so everyone needs you, to do that. Yeah, be the best of what you are, Yeah. right? Don't try to be something else, but find out what you are and be the best at it. So I take it my- sounds very similar to what a lot of these gurus out there are saying. It's They're all like, the same. You know, fuck your weaknesses, just do the thing you're good at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lean um, into it, yeah. Yeah, lean into those turns hard. But uh, I take I had a Naruto ninja headband, a forehead protector. So it's a headband with a metal symbol for what tribe? Uh, a f- coarse leaf. <laughs> like, come on now. <laughs> Tie it on my head and I start walking up to girls and guys at a bar called Whiskey Blue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is if you know, if you're from Atlanta, that's a really swanky place. Yeah. I don't even know how I got in. Because, right, I'm wearing socks that has a gloves. Yeah. He does have a dress shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not wearing sneakers. Maybe really. he'll take them off. Maybe he's cold. That's why he has the gloves and the goggles. Maybe he just came back from skiing and he hasn't acclimated yet. But <laughs> what? <laughs> it went really well. And uh, my friend had glasses and he took them off. And I didn't even know he wore glasses. And when I'm talking to people, I look behind me and he just slowly puts his glasses back on because he realized it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was that was kind of an inspiring story. He ended up not using magic cards. That's not who he really was. What? That's what was how he thing? made. That's he likes partying. He likes clubs and bars. Oh. And that's why he organized all those meetups now. So. Got it. Interesting. So I tell people that they should take the sampler platter of life. They should taste the things and find out what they like and don't like on mm-hmm. either in the extreme or in the lowest possible risk, either one of those. So one thing me and him did, this is what I did for my first student, is we went to a different club every day for 30 days. <sighs> and we did that, that is a hell of a challenge. That's a lot. Yeah. Too many yeah. people. That's the idea, though. I know. I'm talking about myself, though. <laughs> 
keep going. Because yeah. like that's my personal hell. <laughs> if you do something in the stream, it becomes easier in moderation. So I go out five days a week and I meet probably 20 new people a night on those five days, right? Easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was going to the club every day, I forced myself to talk to 30 girls a night. Mm. And it would get to the point where I would break down and literally start to cry. That's what I was talking about before because I got rejected so much in one night and I couldn't handle it. And why am I doing this to myself? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Stop saying the same thing. Sounds like line. my job. Like, yeah. I yeah. am not yeah. even kidding. Like, yeah. That's like my nights when I come home. I'm like, why? Yeah. And after all that traumatizing, talking to all those people, when I'd go on a date, it was like I was steely. You know, like you couldn't you couldn't like scare me or sock me. Uh, a better example of that is I used to be shy around women even as much as two years ago Mm. i still had problems and then i started dating a stripper who was particularly rambunctious and outrageous she starts lighting a blunt in the middle of a strip club in front of a bouncer right and the bouncer comes over and starts trouble with you like you can't do that and i'm lucky because i used to be a bouncer and we like know some of the same people and it it gets a little bit better but then she starts like grabbing the other girls there and stuff like that and it was just it was just a mess like i was like oh my god what am i doing i'm gonna end up getting arrested and then i have to deal with this crazy lady and everything after that i asked another girl out and it was like it was like nothing like she was like weird she's (laughs) Oh, I'm going to go to this club. I want to go to Jeju Spa, which is like a 24-hour yeah. bathhouse. Yeah. And that's intimidating to a lot of people, too. Is a bathhouse here? Yeah. Sorry. It's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a tour guide. That's so. <laughs> I say that, and I mean that in two ways, in that I know everything in the area, and I host events so people can get out. It's also one way I display value. Yeah. So if you were to meet me and you don't hang out a lot, I could give you a club, an event, a bar, a concert for anything you like. Oh my gosh, they make apps for that. Yeah, we are the apps. Like me and me and the people go out are apps yeah. because I find it easier for people to talk about the things they're interested in than themselves if they don't have high self-esteem. Yeah, no, that's way easier to connect with mm-hmm. people about something you care about. So I, I, I created a class and then uh, this was a test run. I took 30 days each time I took students before and it used to be like $20 a night. So that's a lot of money. I want to get to the point where it would be like $50 for one week Mm-hmm. And then people could do it without me if they wanted to. So I wanted to make it like all Automated, free. Yeah. yeah, I want it to be free because they're less snake oil salesmen. Yeah. And so like that was this week's test. That's what I was doing Friday. That was the culmination of the class. One of the homework assignments is to know all the places in the area mm-hmm. so you can be a tour guide. And I was showing the students that like uh, I'm already taken so I can't pick up girls, right? Yeah. But in effect, me getting people to join my meetup groups it's very similar to asking a girl out, mm-hmm. right? There's less sexual tension there, mm-hmm. but for someone who's on day one, that would be a big accomplishment. And everyone I've dated for the past few years, well, the past five girlfriends I had, four of them were from my karaoke meetup group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's easy because I just go to the meetup group and I'm already doing what I want to do and the girls like the things I wanted, I like, and then I don't meet a bar chick, do you know? Still meet, do, you still, do they still go to your meetups? Yeah, 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 yeah. Almost all the girls I have dated are still very close friends of mine. Oh. Right. And even they think that's weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know why that's weird. I can under, I can posit why it's weird, but I'm not going to like go yeah. into that. But uh, I was able to recruit, I think, 15 members of the other meetup group, mm-hmm. almost all girls, to join my other groups mm-hmm. because they want like, – I knew everything about the area. So someone tells me, what are your interests? People are usually shy. They're like, I don't know. I was like, what are you a nerd? I'm a nerd about anime. What are you a nerd about? And someone was like, well, I'm a nerd about art. And I was like, what kind of art? And I was like, acrylic. Uh, I like George O'Keefe. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of good George O'Keefe's at the the high. 
right? Mm. We can go look at paintings of vaginas together because that's what all of Georgia Key's paintings look like. <laughs> they're flowers. They're, yeah. Well, they're all flowers. <laughs> Quote unquote flowers. Yeah, but I'll go to creativeloafing.com, meetup.com, reddit.com. I'll mm-hmm. go to uh, Yelp and search local attractions and I'll make a list of 10 events that I can invite people to on the previous Friday. Mm-hmm. That way, when you're asking for a phone number, there has to be a reason. And so many times you'll, I used to talk to girls and I'll be like, we should talk later. And they'll be like, we're talking now. Why do you need my number? Dang. Which is correct, right? But in the conversation, if you say, oh, you like art? Maybe we should plan an event to go to the High Art Museum. Then you go, hey, let's get contact yeah. information so we can plan that event, right? That gives context to the interaction. And so they're more likely to provide the information, right? Yeah. And then you have that conversation later. Like when you're talking about the high, you always qualify. So I'm going to get even nerdier again. <laughs> the biggest problem I saw with the guys I went out, I gave them very specific homework. And I even broke down how they should say sentences and made them memorize their sentences to start conversations. One of the things they had the most trouble with is qualification. So I see a lot of my friends who are particularly charismatic like me get friend zoned a lot where they're the guy who has 30 girlfriends, but dating none of them. And it's because they never qualify up front. So when I walk up to someone, I'll do what's called an opinion opener. And I'll give an example so the diehard pickup nerds will know that I'm on the level. I'll say this will only take a second. I see you look really sexy in that dress. You must know a lot about fashion. That's the qualification. And then I'll say something like, I host a lot of meetup groups and I do speed dating, right? I need to know what colors work best for attracting new members when I'm at a venue. What's your opinion? I like blue, mm-hmm. right? A lot of things just happen in that sentence. I communicated a lot of value. And the important part there that's the sticking point for a lot of people is I qualified that I'm attracted to them. Mm-hmm. That I'm not asking them just because I want to be their friend. I've said, hey, I think you're beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Right? Most guys will say like, hey, you seem really nice. Yeah. That sounds like they want to be friends. That sounds yeah. like you want to go get ice cream together and then read children's books at a library. Yeah. yeah. So very upfront. If I ask a girl out, they're not surprised. That's what they expect from me because I've communicated it all night. Right. Mm-hmm. I've Hey, I'd love to see you at the club. You look amazing in a red dress. Right. Then when they get to the club in a red dress, I'm like. You're so beautiful. We need to go on a date. I need to show you off to my friends too, right? That doesn't seem like a weird jump. But if I went like, hey, do you want to go to the club? Calling that voice. Yeah, yeah. Do you notice how my voice changed? That's called up talk, where your inflection is higher at the end than at the beginning. It makes everything sound kind of like a question. I also call it girlfriend voice. And I'm the biggest victim of this with my girlfriend because so adorable. I'll be like, hey, honey. (laughs) But side guys will do that because they don't want to threaten anyone. They don't want to be masculine. They want to be, So (laughs) I know we could have an argument whether that's masculine or not, but. For now, we'll just we'll glaze over that. Sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> For now, that'll yeah, be we'll, the... We'll, we'll yeah. skip it because I'm sure we'll get to it later. But uh, they don't want to commit. So there's two schools to pick up that popular, indirect and direct. I like direct more, but indirect is easier for people to automate. So I usually mm. teach indirect if I only have a week. So, so what's the biggest difference between the two? Direct is like, hey, you're very attractive. I don't have a plan, but I need to talk to you right now. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's direct. Straight to the point. Yep. Indirect is waiting to feel them out before you truly commit. Mm. Right? So in my opener, I did a lot of things. Uh, When I said, I need to talk to you for a second, I gave a time constraint. I told you that I'm only going to be here for a second. That's like a disclaimer. That's like me going, I'm only going to talk to you for a second. And then I look at them, and if they let me talk more, I stay. 
Mm-hmm. So it's indirect. I haven't been direct about what what's happening, basically. And then I qualify my interest, but I don't qualify it in an all overly sexual way. Indirect, I would say like, hey, I want to get to know you because I'm looking for a girlfriend. I would just straight up say it, right? And I actually think that's better, but it's more nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. Right? You still have to qualify, but the level of qualification is higher on one. I ask their opinion about something I may or may not care about. That's prescripted. It should be something I care about because it's impossible to fake interest. Yeah, yeah so like really my, hard. Yeah, that's, their homework was to create their own version of this and create five. And then I gave them ones and et cetera, et cetera, that worked on skills. Uh, so like this indirect is this very formula. And when you're indirect, you, there's a chance you'll become what I call a social robot mm-hmm. where it's like you're scripted. Right. Yeah. And this happened to me up front. And that's why I knew there was something wrong with this approach where I would hit it off with a girl and the girl would ask me their name and I wouldn't even know it. They'd be like, hey, we should go to such and such club after. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, I want you uh, like add me on Facebook. And like, I'm like, yeah. They're like, just type in my name. And they get really quiet. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. They're like, just type it up. And like, my phone will be out. And I'll be like, pretty lady. And they're like, ha ha ha. And like, hit me on the side. And they're like, what's my name? And I'll be like, beautiful girl. And they're like, ha ha ha. Hit me on the side. And then I'll do it one more time and it stops being funny. <laughs> and I realized I was in pre record mode. Yeah. Like, I didn't care enough about the person and I was too focused on getting the contact information. Mm-hmm. So the name wasn't as important yeah. to me. It was just go through your routine, go through your text. But for learning purposes, indirect is perfect. Because when I saw the guys out there, they have to worry about their body language. I give the example of tonality. I can mock it, right? I can say, hey, I'm Patrick Zagambo. And I go, hey, I'm Patrick Zagambo. And you can feel the difference. You can even feel the difference in your response to that. Yeah. I'm, I'm asking you to inflect your voice on each word, change the emphasis of things. That's a lot to keep track of. I make them have body language training, so they have to keep good eye contact. So I'll take them to the mall and they have to have staring contests with people to learn how to like keep eye contact. And they have to do this while they're doing their line now. So now they have to remember their training for staring. They have to remember their inflection. They have to remember no ums and no long pauses. They have to remember to stand straight, like there's a rope on your back holding you straight up. Mm -hmm. All this stuff. If they had to do that and talk off the cuff, they're dead. Yeah, it's information overload. One thing not everybody is naturally like inclined to be good at those things. No one's naturally inclined to be good at these things. If you think you're naturally inclined, it's because you're exposed to people at an early age. You were early socialized and you don't realize it. And then if you're good in an older age, it's because I I did get lucky. Both my parents are salespeople. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. So that's another problem is people think there's this concept of the natural, but there isn't. The concept of the natural is actually a bad thing in that there's two types of knowledge there's implicit and then there's just well i'm not going to use those phrases i'm not going to use the phrase because they're psychological terms and i don't want to get into it so there's conscious knowledge and unconscious knowledge right so if you asked me how to move my arm i could not explain it into a way that would give you the ability to move your arm it's like asking someone to describe what hungry feels like exactly right you just know what it feels like that's because you've moved your arm so many times, you don't need a mental construct to move your arm. True. Yeah. Right? That would be unconscious mastery, which is good for automation. It's good for doing things and getting results. But, but then, when you're learning a new skill, exactly. yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Conscious mastery requires you to have a system in place mm-hmm. to build a scaffold, scaffolding that will become unconscious mastery. And so, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. So we're getting very technical and like, yeah. like, oh, like we're, we're moving in a clip here. Yeah. Um, 
There is one thing okay. that I really want to hear a little bit about, okay. and that was kind of your your moment of like the worst experience, right? Where where you cried in in a public place because you were rejected so badly, right? So this is it almost sounds like a rock bottom moment. Yeah, it was interesting. At the last meetup, we started talking about charisma skills mm-hmm. because I used the food and friends to get people to go to the club with us and to get students, right? Mm-hmm. So every now and then someone will start asking me my background and I kind of was spilling my heart and someone asked me, are you comfortable being so vulnerable? Because people ask me very personal questions like when's the first time you've been kissed? When's mm-hmm. the first time you've been with a girl? And I kind of was just like shooting answers off the top of my head and people were like shocked that I would do that. Uh, you build a thick skin and you also realize we talk a lot about storytelling and there's this concept called the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. So I have a co-organizer and he got rejected by someone in our group and he was really concerned about it because it was kind of public, right? I actually heard about that, yeah. Yeah, and so he's, he's sad about it and he's like, I don't know if I want to like advertise as being a charismatic guy and I was like, well, everyone thinks you are. He goes, yeah, but I don't want people to look down on me. And I was like, for, I just told a story for an hour to 20 people and they were all paying attention, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, if you notice, they paid attention to when I failed. Because when I failed, they could put themselves in my suits. That's the moment of relatability. We're nothing without our failures. Mm -hmm. If I was a natural, people wouldn't want to learn from me. And once they transport themselves into my suits and they see me smiling, it presents hope. Mm-hmm. because they can see them, their failures and they can see themselves smiling in those failures and laughing about it. Mm-hmm. And so it makes them more likely to move forward. Yeah. So like that, that vulnerability is important. So I was going to the club. Uh, this is my second 30-day challenge. The second time I did 30 days, I took an autistic student with me this time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I also was a little more bold about it, and I posted on Facebook that I was going to ask 1,000 girls for their phone numbers. Yeah. And so I start counting down on Facebook. Like every (laughs) night it would be like talk to 30 girls. And I even had rules for what I'm afraid of people thinking I objectify women. Right. So I made a rule that I need to know three very personal things about them that no one else would know. So it didn't count for an approach unless I knew that like they had an adopted little brother Mm. or that they're an art major who really likes blah, blah, blah. So you were actually connecting with people. Correct. I wasn't just going, hey, can I get your number? Hey, can I get your number? Because that defeats the purpose, right? Yeah, it probably wouldn't work. Yeah, it it can, but it shouldn't work and you shouldn't learn that way. (laughs) It's a bad way to learn. Uh, A and B testing usually always works. So just doing a wealth of... Data mining will help. So if you keep doing stuff like that, you will get better, but you'll get better slowly. Anyways, I thought I was good because last time I got to the point, there's this joke in pickup. Well, it's not a joke. It's just like this legendary thing. It's like the perfect game in football. Yeah. Right? Like it's the perfect season, 17 wins, no losses, Mm. what the Patriots were going for. It's called 10 and 10. It's getting 10 numbers from 10 girls. Mm. Right? Right? And yeah, no was, rejection. Yeah, yeah and, and like I got cocky because my first student and me go out one night and I get 12 numbers from 10 girls. Mm. I get their friends' numbers. <laughs> like they give me their friends' numbers that they're with and be like, we all need to get together. And my friend's like, that was absurd. You just broke 10 for 10. You literally made a mathematical impossibility in your skill, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's start the countdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's start the countdown. Let's, let's put it at 1,000. I get to about... That's a big jump from from 10 to 1,000. Well, it wasn't to get 1,000 completions. It was to do it 1,000 times, right? So I go through about 70 without ever getting a number. So that's two days, 35 people each, you know. This this gets really bad. Like, it gets worse and worse. So, like, I end up getting to, like, maybe 600 Mm. and only going on, like, four dates. 
Wow. It's crazy. That's crazy for like what I'd been doing too. Like it used to be I'd go to the club and always get a date from it, right? Yeah. And then see if it would work out, whatever. One day I just get rejected so much and I haven't slept in 16 days because I still have my nine to five and I'm out at a club till 3 a.m. Oh you see what I'm saying? And then at the same time, I'm like getting new clothes and I'm still going to events that aren't clubs and going on dates during the, the whole thing. So I'm just like, Ugh. and then someone rejects me and I like take a step aside. And what my student who's going with me is doing like excellent. The autistic kid doing excellent. It's kind of funny <laughs> in that regard. He was kind of like an autopilot. He didn't even see this happen. That's what makes yeah. this funnier. It's another story of keeping your face. Whenever he saw me, I was upbeat. And so he kept yeah. approaching people. But when Cosmo Lava, which is like a club that's four different clubs in one. Mm. It's a Cosmopolitan and Lava Life. Oh. One of my favorite clubs. There's also a salsa uh, dancing place upstairs. And there's like a side balcony where few people are. I take my wing guy, take him aside, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't have people tell me to fuck off 20 times a night and still smile. I can't sell this kid this dream when I'm just getting emotionally destroyed yeah. <laughs> every night. And he's like, you know, cheer up, man, cheer up. And, like, I start breaking apart, and he felt like this, this wingman of mine felt like he was the hopeless newbie, right? So he's like, if you're falling apart, I'm fucked. And he just immediately starts crying. Like, he was fine. But when he sees me break down, he's like, I don't think I want to do this with you anymore either. And, like, we're sitting and we're trying to cheer each other up. And then a pretty girl walks by. Now, I'm going to say this is an unhealthy thing up front. It's not, like, mean what we did or anything. But I gave him, I pulled the girl over so he could do a magic trick for the girl. And then the girl really liked him and they started talking. And he got their number and he turned around. He was smiling. He was laughing. And he was having a great night. And that, in turn, made me feel better. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I pulled myself out of it because of that. This is why I put a disclaimer there. If you're wise to what I'm saying, there's a dangerous undercurrent of what I just said, that he got his validation from women liking him, right? Mm -hmm. And it was enough to make him cry or not cry. Yeah. But still, this is early on. This is before I understood what the limits are and Mm -hmm. where I should be emotionally and mentally. Mm -hmm. It was a rough night. And I've I've had tons of those. You know, I've had scenarios where... People have thrown drinks in my face. Oh, I've had people run out of my house. That was pretty rough. And what? I have roommates. Okay, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So I had a girl like run out of my house when I had roommates like yelling at me and all that. When at the end of at the end of like our fifth date, right? But what? Why? Uh, she wanted a relationship, and every time we hung out, I told her I didn't want a relationship, right? Yeah. And. I'll be that vulnerable. We're having sexy times. Let's put it that way, right? And she's like, I'm so glad you're mine. And I'm like, well, I'm not yours. But like I do like I do like you a lot. That's a weird time to be like, but wait, wait. That's how, because I'd rather do it up front than afterwards her say that I did that to sleep with her. Yeah. Right? It's very important that I don't mislead people. Especially me. I got the biggest target on my head in the world because I advertise it. I wear a shirt with my face on it. And anyone who's (laughs) ever been abused by a man that does pickup, I'm the guy they attack. Mm-hmm. Like, I end up becoming the ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> Are you taking a picture of this shirt? I am, yeah. yeah. I'll provide you some pictures as well. Yeah, definitely make sure to to check out the blog post for this one. We're going to have a lot of material since mm-hmm. you do have a lot of free content out there that yep. we want to get into other people's hands. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have some mm-hmm. pictures, just FYI, about the T-shirt with his face on it. Yeah, <laughs> so the extremes I get are so much higher than the extreme other people get. Yeah. Because every man that's ever hurt them, I'm the avatar for. And it's funny because I'm like, 
not macho. I'm not like yeah. super masculine. I'm like cute nerd guy. And they're like, I can't believe you treat me. Ugh. And I'm like, I just bought you dinner and then asked you how your day was and cared and then offered to help host an event. Like, I understand that you shouldn't negotiate kindness for for admiration, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's Confused. fun. Confused, yeah, kindness yeah, for, yeah. yeah. Well, no, people negotiate. That's what oh. nice guys do. Right? They think if you're really nice to you, you'll give them sex. Yeah, that I don't yeah, like. Yeah, and I, that's most guys And too. I can sense that undercurrent <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck off. Just and that's, fuck off. It like, makes, I, I don't like feeling pressured in any way. Like the minute I, and I can like smell it from a mile away and I'm mm-hmm. like, no. Like it makes me hate people kind of. Agreed. And it makes it hard for people like me because I honestly will get to want to know you. Mm-hmm. And you're immediately looking like. What, why is he being nice to me? Does he want yeah. like X? Or oh yeah, y? what do you want? Yeah, even yeah. if it's not sex. Yeah, it's something. Something. Yeah, it's something. Yeah. Yeah. I joke with one of my friends who wants to teach this, and the other day, one of my closest friends just gave me a three thousand dollar computer. He just came over to my house, dropped over a three thousand dollar computer, and said, "Make good videos," Aww. and then left. Right. I've known him. We've been there for each other forever. Always help each other, and that's not weird for me. Mm-hmm. So venues are like that. I'll bring 30 people and then they'll just give me free dinner. Yeah. I won't have communicated beforehand that I want free dinner. I just yeah. bring people and they give it to me. The best way to get things is to do things not wanting anything. And just, just to add value. Yeah. And then be grateful because people will sour value because they want you to keep interacting with them. Yeah. But uh, that being said, I'll, I'll be a perfect gentleman and then I'll be blamed for not being a perfect gentleman quite often because the same thing that happens with guys. So guys will assume women hate them or they'll assume that a woman's mean when they don't want to interact with them. Because what happens is when we don't have complete information, we fill all those gaps with our previous experiences. Mm-hmm. So that's the illusion of self. It's like we're looking through a window and our reflection is in the window. Yeah. Whatever you see is imprinted with yourself. Yeah. Uh, it's, I tell guys to meditate who are hard case newbies who like sake and stuff like that because I can see them ruminating. I can see them not knowing why the, go- the interaction is going bad and then reliving a past experience is the explanation. So I understand that with women specifically because I have no problem talking about charisma, they see my face everywhere. So like if you're on Meetup and you join any of the single groups, you're probably going to see me as a co-organizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so people will know me now before I know them, right? Because of my... Because of my popularity, a lot of people imprint their stereotypes of the mm-hmm. popular person, the event organizer, mm-hmm. or the charismatic guy. And they usually imprint them with their negative experiences. Yeah. Because humans have a propensity to favor their negative responses. Mm-hmm. When something's negative, it has a stronger impact than positive. Yeah. So whatever they don't understand that's happening, it's because I'm a dirty pickup artist, because I'm a jerk, because <laughs> I'm a womanizer. Cause I, I've heard it all. Yeah. And uh, I'm okay with that, as I was saying, because... I'm, I'm, I am black, and so I'm used to people just imprinting negative stereotypes on me. Mm-hmm. One thing people don't realize is that's a forge. That's like the ironworks that builds you. The fact that I have to be on my best behavior all the time makes me good. Yeah, <laughs> gives you an edge. Yeah, and so a lot of times people... It's also shitty, but yeah. I think we, as I always say, it's like my favorite line to say recently, is that we suffer a little to inoculate ourselves and vaccinate ourselves against the suffering of the outside world. Mm -hmm. So like I go out and I force myself to get rejected at bars and clubs with the people I'm less interested in becoming best friends with, right? Mm -hmm. So that when I go to Battle and Brew, the gamer bar where we do speed dating. And when you're really invested. Exactly. 
You're you're gonna get results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've learned how to deal with that rejection without losing my mind. Yes. <laughs> and it's hard. I mean, mm. I I think I'm one of those people who who honestly had it pretty easy. Like I kind of walked into things and would figure them out really quickly. I've always been smart enough that I pick things up really fast and I can kind of fake it till I make it, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I finally recently got into a situation where. I've failed mm-hmm. like I crashed and burned harder than I have ever crashed in my entire life and I'm still burning right now like I'm not getting better mm-hmm. and there may be an opportunity that like this this might be a situation where I've I finally hit that wall of you yeah. can't do this you know but I think there's also a possibility that like I just have to learn how to disengage like I because I never really failed this hard I think I never learned how to emotionally disengage from the mm-hmm. things that I invested time into mm-hmm. and you will lose your fucking mind. Like it really rocks your core as a person. I was like, crying at a club. Yeah. Right? It, it fucks with you. Like you will end up and like, that's what I'm saying. I made a joke about like crying when I get home, but like mm-hmm. I'm so invested in being successful that mm-hmm. for me, my whole value is tied to that. And just like the problems that you were saying, this isn't just tying your value to other people. Mm-hmm. It's tying value to anything that you invest time and energy mm-hmm. into, you know, like, but, but things that you can't control. Yes. You know, so that's hard. That's, yeah. that's, that's an unhealthy practice for Correct. the most part, you know. One of my core principles that I try to teach up front, which is different. So I've, I've made a lot of mistakes now and I've learned from those mistakes and I've gotten mm-hmm. a lot of feedback and I've gone out with students and one of my students made a comment. Wasn't more of my students, much as my friend I was just helping out. I'm not going to mm-hmm. call this one a student. He ended up running the biggest meetup groups in Chicago now. Wow. And that's how I got the karaoke meetup groups. So if I was helping people for free, I made them run meetup groups. Mm-hmm. That way they could get used to being a leader and learn all the bearing and responsibility of being a a good guy. Like just yeah. I, I used people say pickup artist, I say really fucking cool guy. If you're an <laughs> RFC, you'll get girls. The yeah. girls become a symptom of something greater. Really fucking cool guy. Yeah, RFC. You want to be the RFC of the group. Uh, <laughs> Does that just stand really fucking cool? Yeah, yeah, really fucking cool. RFCG? R- yep, you could do RFCG, but yeah. it's because it could be for a girl, too, or yeah, a woman. RFC. So I, I, I make it it's gender. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, he comes in my room, and there was a time when I had a voice recorder, and I would record every conversation I had at the club with a girl, and I would take a notepad, and I would write down all the things I did wrong oh, okay. and try to come up with ways to solve it. Right. Mm -hmm. And he would just hear me listening to myself getting rejected for an hour straight and me just calmly sitting there with a notepad and being like, yeah, my voice was way too high. That was weird. Or, yeah, I wasn't looking her in the eyes. And that was too sexually aggressive. And I didn't mean it. I was trying to be shocking instead of being myself. And like he just sees this notebook that in one day is filled with horrible things about myself. And he's like, I can't do the way you learn. Like Mm -hmm. He's like, I can't do your method. And I was like, I don't expect you to. The way I learn is I eat shit and die. I drag <laughs> myself through the mud and I see what comes out, yeah. right? I don't expect everyone to learn that way. Yeah. He was the type who just needed immersion of time, right? <laughs> he just needed to go out and do it as often as possible. And then it built on itself. <laughs> so one thing I did learn, and it's what you were getting at, is uh, I'm kind of a type A personality. Most people in pickup aren't. Mm-hmm. They're usually type B because that's why they're doing pickup, right? They're not as aggressive. They're not as goal-oriented. The reason I cried at the club is because I valued how many numbers I got. Mm-hmm. And that was stupid. The real impressive thing, and I was talking to another friend about this too. She like brought up that she thought it was impressive, was the idea of walking up to 40 people a night. I can control that. Mm-hmm. So that's And I had to shift. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I literally had to do that exact pivot of like, mm-hmm. okay, what can I actually control? 
Mm-hmm. Like what am I, what's not going to drive me crazy, you know? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's rough. It's rough. It's Creating good metrics is hard. I had to do like one of the days in the classes was teaching good metrics. So these are the things you should be kind of concerned yeah. about. These are the things you're going for. Um, There's also a danger when you're creating metrics. Like, yeah, you can target things that you can control, but you can also target the wrong things. Correct. And I, for most of the time that I've been in this job that I'm in, like mm-hmm. I, that's what I was doing. I was targeting the wrong things and my mm-hmm. metrics were not there. Like when really I needed less of metrics and more accountability on the things that I was measuring, right? Like it's more of like, uh, yeah, it, it was, it's complicated. Yeah, you're right. It's really hard to set good metrics. Yeah. Metrics come second to the why. So you have to conceptualize and actualize yourself a lot with some new age shit just to say you need to understand what you want. Yeah. You need to understand what you want on a deep level, right? So. <laughs> Are you laughing? Some new age shit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like you need to understand who you are because it's possible to get things that you don't want and f- and think you succeeded and then have an empty hole in your life that destroys it. Mm-hmm. So an example is one of my students. Ev- this is actually one thing I tell people up front. You'll come to me and you'll say you want charisma training because everyone approaches me because I'm so good at branding, right? Yeah. You see me at the meetup event surrounded by women. You're like, hey, teach me how to do that. And I'll, the first question I always ask them is, why do you want to meet women? Out of, there's been a lot of them, but at least half of the time, no more than that, there's only one person who has stuck to their original statement. Nope, no, there isn't. There has not been a person who has stuck to their original statement. (laughs) What are are the most common responses? I want to sleep with more women. (laughs) That is the most common response. Now, here's the thing that surprised me (laughs) is I've had people say, I want to get married. Yeah. Right? And it's this is always true. When they tell me that, I go, yeah, sure, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what you want. Because everyone always says that to me. They're like, I know who I am. I know what I want. And I want to go out and meet more women and sleep with more women. I'm like, yeah. And then one student ends up sleeping with a girl in a bathroom at a club. After he's never kissed a girl. After he's never done anything. And he comes out and he looks like. He's like wrecked. He's Covenant of the Ark. Like his face is melted. and Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's actually not happy with what just no, happened yeah. at all. He's traumatized, and he walks up to me, and he goes, I know how to get people to sleep with me now, but I don't know how to get them to talk to me after they leave the bathroom. What yeah. I really want is relationships. And I was like, yeah. I told you that. I told you that. <laughs> what you, you want, Yeah, what you wanted was real connections with people. Yeah. But I had to get this out of the way first. Yeah. Because I knew you wouldn't know unless you got it and you still felt that hole in your heart. Yeah, and I had a friend who wanted to get married and he met like the perfect girl, like the perfect girl, super sweet. Of course, they break up. And then he's on to another girl and another girl and another girl. And he's like, I don't know. I just I just feel wrong. Like, I I can't I feel I'm more depressed now than I'm dating people. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's because you just want to sleep with girls. And he's like, what? And I'm like, you just want to sleep with girls. You don't want to make relationships. You don't want to have friends. For some reason, that's all. You may be a sex addict that you need to deal with, right? <laughs> you had something you need to unpack there. We're not yeah. quite sure what it is. <laughs> and so like, we sit down. He's like, what does that mean? I'm like, you tell people you're a sex addict. I told him, this is what you need to do. You need to be genuine and you need to find the people who are looking for that, mm-hmm. right? Because those people are not going to be abused if that's what they're looking for. You're presenting what you want and then they have the option to take it or not. Mm-hmm. Right. And the second he did that, his life got so much better because he used to come over to my house like complaining and crying about girls arguing with him and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, of course, you told them that you're going to be their one and only. And then now you don't like after two weeks, you don't want to hang out with them anymore. Like I'd be mad, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. response. I call it buyer's remorse. People thought they were buying a specific product and then they get home and they open the product. And it's not that. Ugh. They have the charming boyfriend and then 
they don't get that. Then I just go like, how about we teach you how to be the douchebag guy and then attract the douchebag girls. Yeah. And then they just know what's up and they're perfectly happy all the time and yeah. no one ever bothers you. <laughs> and people can judge you, but you don't care because you're getting what you want. Yeah. Immediately his life got better. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I think he should get therapy for the, for, <laughs> to be clear, I think he should get therapy. But him not understanding his wants. Yeah, but it can made manifest metrics in, not matter. Yeah, yeah. both ways. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah, yeah. So that that's what I'm saying. Uh, I talk about studying philosophy to understand so philosophy and religion is are scaffoldings for beliefs. So it's a shortcut. It's hard to know what's important to you without a lot of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to identify something you admire and then adopt those traits. Right? It's called modeling. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone should create a scaffolding for their beliefs. Mm. I'm not We've saying talked a lot about scaffolding, just like building an infrastructure for yourself. Yeah. You know, whether it's uh, you know, habits or the why. Mm-hmm. Just it's that thing that you can fall back on that becomes knee jerk, right? Mm-hmm. So, like the scaffolding for my belief is independent of religion. It's honesty. Mm-hmm. Be the most honest you can be at all times, mm-hmm. right? That's how I scaffold my beliefs. So, whenever I'm dealing with a, a girl or a guy in the interactions, I judge it against that quality, and it's very easy to determine if I'm being unfair or objectifying a person, mm-hmm. right? If I tell someone that I'm really into them because they're sweet, and I try to act like I'm going to date them. When I just want a one night stand, I'm not being honest. Yeah. I'm not, right? Yeah. And it can work in anything, right? If I'm committing violence on a person to persuade them, I'm not trying to really persuade them. I'm not being honest with myself. I should act in a way that gets the outcome that is true to what I believe or what I feel in, in that moment. And people should never people should be able to look at me and be like, I know what Patrick is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh there's tons of scaffoldings for beliefs, and I don't knock them. So, like, I'm not religious. I actually kind of hate religion. But, like, if you're super religion, religious and you understand what that— you're super religion. Yeah, if you're super <laughs> religion, man, you're super pope. Uh, super pope. But if you understand your values and you can defend your values and you can display them in your actions, I'm going to say that that was an advantageous situation. It may be suboptimal. It may not be best because I think everyone needs to define their value from within. Mm-hmm. But having some scaffolding for values is better than none. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. Yeah. Just having a structure yeah. makes everything a little less stressful. And I'm sort of a moral relativist in this one department. Yeah. I'm not in anything else, but I'm willing to accept that things are defined within their objective. Mm-hmm. And certain people's life objectives are different than others. There are some things that are easily universally moral. I think being honest is one of those things that are universally moral. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a scenario where being on dishonest is best in the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, if I ask you if I look fat in this, you better lie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We're not going to get a lot. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't look fat, so you're fine. I know but what I was saying. That's I'm brutal. I'm going to tell you to sleep faster. I'm going to tell you to sleep faster. You're going to look at me and you say, I'm tired. And I'm like, stop eating so many carbs. And you'll be like, why? And I'm like, because it makes you sleep slower because you don't get into REM sleep quicker. There's a way you can sleep oh. for six hours. You need to figure it out so you can go to the club with me. <laughs> Cut those <laughs> yeah, gotta cut those carbs. Need to go on that keto diet. <laughs> but like, that's the level of honesty Ew. I start bringing to the table now. Do you hate the keto diet? No, I just like hate everything you said because it's a lot of work and I don't want to do it. <laughs> uh, if you automate it, it's not a lot of work. So after thirty days, it's now a habit. Exactly. And I'm a big fan of eating all the meat you can. 
So there's like a running joke. Uh, well, it's not a running joke, a running observation from some of my friends. Uh, I posted a video. I, I do a lot of social media testing mm -hmm. to see what people are interested in. And I'm thinking of making a YouTube channel. So I posted a video where I did over 600 push-ups while playing a game called oh, I, I Want to Be that. the Guy. Yeah. It was a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was kind of cringy. Yeah. Oh, um, but yet it got more likes than anything else on my wall. I know. <laughs> Something to think about, like, right? Uh... It is weird. It is weird. But uh, it, it served its purpose. We'll anyway. post it. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was really like I didn't watch it. And, it's, and at the end, I was like, I'm literally posing here. Yeah. Like I'm posing. I was like, and it's funny what because. What trying to accomplish? Yeah. I don't think I ever look like muscular because I dressed in so many layers you wouldn't be able to tell. In that yeah. video, I look jacked for some reason. Well, because you probably did so many push-ups yeah, yeah, that you had yeah, a pump, yeah, yeah. right? And so, yeah. But it looked like you did the push-ups just so you would have the pump yeah, yeah, so yeah, that you yeah, could show yeah, off yeah, your yeah. arms. And I was well, like, uh... <laughs> for a while now, I've been doing a thousand push-ups a day. Okay. Every day for about two and a half months, right? It started at two hundred and then three hundred, and once I hit four hundred, I was like, I might as well go to a thousand. Yeah, it's like I started deadlifting. I nice. Only... That's like the best workout. That's way better than push-ups. Yeah, I can only do sixty-four pounds, but my boyfriend does <laughs> like five hundred and something pounds. Oh my god, monster! So, <laughs> I know. The dude's yeah. jacked. Yeah. So nice. Nice. <laughs> I'm excited. I can lift sixty-four pounds. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's all a process, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, I think we should go ahead and wrap up. But <laughs> I like how we mentioned how many push-ups I did without me having to explain why I did them. Uh, yeah. So, so we're, we're just, just going to leave it there. I will say this one thing. Uh, when this podcast goes live, I'm going to release the notes for the week of Pickup Boot Camp. Oh. So it'll it'll be exclusive for you guys first. I won't post it on Facebook or anything. And I'll do examples of everyone's homework. And so if you're cool. looking to get like a free boost, you can do that. If you post in the comments on my website for the next two months, I won't charge you to give you feedback on anything. And just to clarify, that yeah. is your... PerfectZ.com. PerfectZ.com. It'll That's be in the, the, the yeah. show notes as well. We're making a, a two-week course because I realized it takes a little bit more time. But anything I produce, I want to give away for free. So that way you can prove it mm -hmm. works. And I want you to make your own version and make it free too. That way people are just better to each other, you know? That's awesome. So... so you heard it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got and a little special deal for all the YDKMers out there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know what, what to call them. <laughs> oh, like We're still working on the name yeah. for you guys. <laughs> like, be like, uh, you know, what's her name? Lady Gaga calls her fans monsters. We got to find something. Yeah, we got to have a thing. Our, our Gertrude mm. Timmy's out there. <laughs> so make sure to send me the link when you put it up, though. That yeah. way I can know that it's time to set everything live. No, no, no. <laughs> Of course, of course. We'll, we'll, we'll sync up on that. Mm -hmm. um, but just for clarification, everything that he's talked about is going to be on our website, on the blog. It's ydkmpodcast.com. We're also going to announce everything. Um, we do everything through social media, too. We've got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's all at ydkmpodcast. Mm -hmm. Follow us. Tweet at us. Let us know what you're thinking. If you have questions for Patrick or for mm -hmm. us. You know, we're all ears. Um, and Peacock for her. Like, if you start using the program because of her, say, like, I was brought here because of the podcast. Yeah. So I know that I should be referring people. And if I become big, they'll know that they should be listening to your podcast as well. Right? <laughs> it's like, oh, his people. Yeah, you should. Well, no, but that's that's the thing. If you're a fan of the show, we, we really kind of our call to action for you. If you enjoy what you hear here, if you support what we're doing, tell somebody about us. Mm -hmm. Even if it's, um, you know, just, hey, check this out. I know right now a bunch of other podcasts are doing the tribe podcast or the tripod campaign mm -hmm. you can hashtag tripod and like literally tag your favorite podcast if you guys want to throw us out there that's fine or even tell us what you like listening to throw us or, out there 
Yeah, that would be great. So that, that's kind of our call to action. Just tell somebody about it. If you are interested in coming on the show, also shoot us an email. Again, everything's at our website, ydkmpodcast.com. Smash that like button. Smash that like button. Smash that like button. Yeah. yeah. Donkey Kong. That's my it. favorite phrase. Smash that like button. <laughs> that is a Patrick original. Yeah. Smash that like button. All right. So I'm your host, Beeps. I'm your co-host, Tank. And I'm the guest, Patrick. And you don't know me? 